Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Love podcasts? You'll love Podcast Magazine. Taking readers into the lives of today's leading podcasters and beyond the microphone of the show's fans love. Each month, Podcast Magazine's dedicated writers share personal interviews, industry happenings, exclusive categorical charts, and independent ratings and reviews of the Under the Radar shows. If you listen to podcasts, subscribe now at podcastmagazine.com and grab a free lifetime subscription while you can. That's podcastmagazine.com. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave, this is Dan Patrick. Hour two on this Thursday. Glad you're aboard. If you're dialing in, if you're just listening, if you're watching, you're emailing, you're tweeting, hopefully we can uh, add a little levity to your day, a distraction here. Boys are here, ready to go. A suggestion from the chat row, by the way. Paulie is in the man cave with me, and Fritzy's at home, McLovin's at home, and so is Seton. Yesterday we had a moment, it's called The Crawling, and it sounds like a Stephen King novel. McLovin's wife, Sarah, crawled across the floor behind him. She didn't want to walk into the shot. Now the chat row is suggesting maybe tomorrow wives of the Danettes could do a segment. I don't know if you guys, if your wives would be interested in doing this, but a the crawling ch- segment. No, they would be. Uh, they they would be on camera, a cameo appearance by the wives. That's requested by the chat row. I'll let you guys negotiate that at home, but we need all in or we won't do it. But McLovin's wife has already made a cameo in the crawling. If you'd like to get in touch with the program, you can, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. You can watch on youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. And listen on our 362 radio affiliates around the country, including the great lineup on Fox Sports Radio. The commissioner of Major League Baseball gave a scenario for the 2020 season, maybe June 1st, but... That's when he says they're going to ramp things up, and it's going to take probably three weeks, another uh, spring training, to get ready for the regular season. I guess best-case scenario, you might have baseball in July. Today would have been the opening day for Major League Baseball. The Cowboys and Dak Prescott are chatting again. And from what I'm told, the hang-up was the length of the deal. I think that they had settled on the amount of money. Dak Prescott's agent wanted three years. And then you put together three years, then he's back in the marketplace quicker and making more money. And the Cowboys wanted a five-year deal. Now they may be inching closer to meeting in the middle with a four-year contract for Dak Prescott. But probably around $35 million a year for Dak Prescott. But they're still talking. Even though he has the exclusive franchise tag, they can negotiate that. Michael Wilbon a little bit later on. And Rick Neuheisel. Uh, a former college coach, now an analyst for CBS Sports. He'll join us coming up and give us his assessment of these quarterbacks. Who is going to take a chance on Tua Tonga-Vailoa? And if you're the Dolphins and you really want Joe Burrow, how much are you willing to give up? So we'll talk to Rick Neuheisel coming up. Eric Dickerson, the Hall of Fame running back, not pleased with the Rams logo. He came up with his own version of the logo. I like that the biggest concern of the Rams in the offseason is their damn logo. It should be that what's going on with their roster. You know, our concerns are, like, they got a stadium we don't know if it's going to be built on time. 
And you had to, you know, let go of Todd Gurley, Clay Matthews Jr., and the biggest concern in Rams uh, camp is the logo. That would be a nice concern to have if it weren't for the other concerns you should be having, but it's a nice diversion. But Eric Dickerson, who is the Rambassador for the franchise, a self-proclaimed Rambassador, he came up with his own logo for the Rams. I don't know if they needed anything, but it looks like Eric Dickerson's Ram is a little meaner than the one that the Rams trotted out a couple of days ago. But imagine you're – I can't imagine – the Rams' concerns are not, who, you know, hey, what do we do in the draft? Uh, hey, we've we're, we're got a salary cap that's bloated here. We seem to be regressing. Yeah, that logo. we got to have more meetings. we got to talk about this logo here. we got to get to the bottom of this. We also were talking about uh, Sports Dynasty. Sporting News had the top 15 dynasties of all time, and the New England Patriots were number one in there, which, given – you know, you've been in nine Super Bowls in what 19 years? You know, that would be that would constitute an NFL dynasty. But for me, a dynasty is something that is at least five years and you know sustainable over those five years. And there are a lot of teams down through the years who fit into that category. I think the Celtics, who won 11 of 13, 11 in 13 years, or UCLA. That to me, you know, they'd be be hard pressed. You know, one in the college ranks and the other one in the pros. At one point, the Celtics had nine Hall of Famers in their lineup. One year, this might have been 62, 63, players who went on to become Hall of Famers, nine of them. It felt like every year. I mean, it, it's pretty impressive. Now, these guys individually wouldn't have been Hall of Famers, but team-wise, which is what the Celtics were all about, starting with Bill Russell. You know, Kuzi and Havlicek would have been Hall of Famers elsewhere, but Satch Sanders, Casey Jones, Sam Jones, Tommy Heinsohn, Frank Ramsey probably wouldn't have been, but Russell, Hall of Famer, uh, Kuzi, Hall of Famer, and Havlicek, definitely a Hall of Famer if they played with other teams. The other guys were, you know, the beauty of what they did is they were great two-way players, great team players, and the fact that you had three Hall of Famers on the bench, pretty incredible. Yeah, Paul. Based off that, you could look at the 70s Steelers dynasty. You know, Mike Webster, Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, et cetera, et cetera. Harris, Ham, Lambert. Uh, I think there's five or six more. Yeah, but you have, Green. A, you have a 53-man roster. The Celtics had 12 guys on the roster. Eight of the 12 are I, Hall of Famers. I'm just saying the closest thing football-wise would probably, you know, Mel Blunt, Terry Bradshaw, that, that, that Steeler team, because they won so much, all their guys got the lights shown on them, and they got a lot of extra Hall of Famers. Yeah, and, you know, you were a Hall of Famer because you were on, you know, great defense. That offense was great. The offensive line, you, know, you had uh, two really good running backs. You had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Your wide receivers are Hall of Famers as well. But, yeah, sometimes just playing on the team makes you more of a Hall of Famer, at least back then. Now you probably don't get the benefit of the doubt. If you're a great player, yeah, McLovin. We're getting a lot of tweets about uh, differences. Uh, the salary cap era dynasties are obviously different. Also, that people have mentioned the Yankees didn't really have to do a playoffs like current teams do. They yeah. just went straight to the World Series. So they're, it's so hard to compare eras. Well, UCLA back then, you probably had a field of 32 in March Madness, and they normally played their first round games or first couple of games would be in California or nearby, I believe. 
Uh, but, I mean, those were still great teams. Bill Walton's team would stack up against anybody. Lou Alcindor's team, it was Gail Goodrich and Walt Hazard and Keith Erickson back in the 60s. You know, that was a team that didn't have anybody over 6'6", and they won a couple of national titles in there. Gail Goodrich, one year, was the best player in college basketball. I think he scored 40 points, 41 points, 42 points in a national title game. Yeah, McLovin. How much of it was John Wooden being the best coach? Well, I mean, look, we could we could go deeper into this where Sam Gilbert was the sugar daddy there. John Wooden was a great coach. It helped that you were getting the best players. Lou Alcindor going from New York to L.A. to play basketball back then? That's unheard of. But somehow he ended up there. And, uh, well, he was well worth it. Whatever whatever it cost, he was well worth it. Yes, McLevin. You're saying college basketball does that. Michael <laughs> Michael Beasley didn't want to go to Kansas State because Kansas State is such a great place that yeah. maybe the top player in the country had some incentive? Well, O.J. Mayo as well. Like you had guys who, you know, you're going, how did he end up there? It just, I you know, don't want to cast aspersions while I cast an aspersion, but how did he end up there? I always wondered about that Michael Beasley. He was like, how did he end up at Kansas State? Because when I want to play great basketball, I, I, I go to Kansas State. Did he think he was going to Manhattan, like actually New York City? <laughs> like, hey, you're going to New York City. You're going to be playing. Oh, St. John's. No, no, Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah, Paul. I went back yesterday after you talked about Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, when he declared out of power memorial to go to UCLA. There was a front page of the sports section newspaper article in 1965 in the New York Times about it. And it was really fascinating because, you know, a lot of people thought Lou Alcindor would stay at one of the New York schools, St. John's or whatever the New York schools were at the time. Yeah. And in the article, as it went down, Lou Alcindor did the press conference, like a press conference, because that was by demand. The press needed wanted to be there. And they were surprised. So they did one of those gymnasium things where he stood at, sat at a podium and announced where he was going to school by media request. Also, that was the first time he had publicly spoken to the media in his career. In high school, whenever they wanted interviews, he, he just he never once spoke to any New York media and did it through his coach. That coach handles all the media. And then when he got to UCLA, he didn't speak to the media because they kind of kept their players away from being exposed to the media. Something John Thompson did when he got to Georgetown or when Patrick Ewing got there to Georgetown. But, yeah, Lou Alcindor. And that's why – and I'm not going to go into a rage like I did uh, last week when – ESPN put out their 32 top players or whatever. I don't know how many top college basketball players, but I I was watching because I had nothing else to watch, and then all of a sudden I'm drawn into it because I'm so angry at how they've ranked these players. And then when some of their analysts actually said, Michael Jordan's the greatest college basketball player of all time, I didn't throw things at the TV, but I definitely wanted Jay Billis's phone number, and I called Fritzy. And I said, I need Billis's number now. <laughs> Poor Jay. Jay's probably going, what? what? What's going on here? And then I just saw where Shaq moved past Luel Sindor in the bracket challenge. Ask Shaq who he'd vote for. And is this just the public who's voting on this? Because I, I guess there's not enough old people voting on this. But... Even if you're not old, you know, Shaq being on a commercial with the general is not reason enough to vote for him to move past Lou Alcindor. There is no debate. 
whatsoever. Greatest college basketball player of all time is Lou Alcindor. If you want to say the most accomplished college basketball player of all time, there is no argument. Brianna Stewart of UConn won four national titles and was the most outstanding player in four consecutive years. That would be perfect. That would be scoreboard. Now, you want to talk about transcendent? Cheryl Miller. Absolutely. Christian Leitner is on the list. Michael Jordan at one year was not even the best player on his team. It was James Worthy. Michael became the greatest player. Look at Bill Russell's college career. A couple of national titles, Olympic gold medal. Then he won 11 of 13 championships in the NBA. But for some reason, I, I don't know what happened to people. If this were my kids, I'd ground them. You should ground America. I, I, I may ground my kids just because I'm mad at America here and how they're voting on this. I'm going to go home and tell my 21-year-old, uh, hey, you got time out. Time out? I'm too old for time out. She got her own car. You're grounded. Why? Because people had Shaq move past Lou Alcindor. <laughs> ask your mom. <laughs> go ask your go, go talk to your mom. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got some Meat Madness songs I'll bring to your attention. Let me get a couple of phone calls here on people who want to weigh in on dynasties here. Karen in Louisiana. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the program. Hey, what about Pat Summon and our Lady Balls? I'm fine with that. I'm fine. I Louisiana Tech. Good. Well, I watched her kick our butt. So Tech won a few, but, you know, she was always there. Well, USC came in and knocked out Louisiana Tech, but uh, Pat Summit, to me, could have coached men's basketball. She could have coached anywhere she wanted to. She was that good, and you, know, you get no argument with me for Tennessee women's basketball because Pat Summit was the first, I think, great coach in college basketball for women. And then Gina Oriema just took it to another level. Uh, Seton O'Connor. Somebody just sent in uh, North Carolina women's soccer as a dynasty. Okay. They won the N they were NCAA national champions twenty one of thirty eight years. Okay, that seems <laughs> That's sustainable. That's pretty good run. Yeah, seems sustainable. Luke, Luke in Iowa. Hi, Luke. Hey, five eleven two zero five. I w I was just going to say I know this is dynasties are usually for teams. But I think if you have to make an exception for one, Tiger Woods. Yeah, I don't want to get into individuals, but thank you, Luke. I mean, it's a fair point, but that's what – I mean, Jack Nicholas was a dynasty, if you want to talk about that. Kelly Slater is a dynasty in surfing. I mean, we, we have individuals who have been, uh, you know, individual dynasties. But, no, we're, we're trying to keep it to teams. Lane in North Dakota. Hey, Lane. Hey. Uh, first time caller, long time Viking apologist. Uh, I'd like to say the NDSU football team won an eight national championships in nine years. Probably pretty good dynasty. Yeah, yeah, we just mentioned that last hour. Thanks for the phone call, Lane. Uh, Victor in L.A. Hey, Victor. I'll make it quick, and I won't mention Tiger Woods. That's who I was going to mention. But I will say, first of all, I love the green room music. Awesome. And then I will say uh, I was heartbroken by the Dolphins losing to the Niners in the Super Bowl. And then as far as not a dynasty but a good run, you know, the Braves had a good run. That's yeah, good run but only one title. That's the problem. And if you're looking at individuals, Simone Biles would be there. Serena Williams would be there. You know, that, those are dynasties, individual dynasties. They're 
Athletes who have good runs, that was the dynasty. Yeah, Paul. Dan, your Mount Union Purple Raiders Division Three football, 30 conference titles out of like 35 years. Yeah. I think they won 13 national titles going back to the 90s. And I love that purple that oh. they wore. Awesome color there. All right, we're going to stay with the poll question, McLovin? I, I think so, unless you want to go a different direction. I had a baseball question for you. Okay. Uh, we were debating pre-show without you. What's the best baseball game of recent memory of, say, the last 30 years? Paulie said the Cubs-Indians. I said the Blue Jays-Phillies. It's opening day in MLB Network, and all the networks are showing classic games. Is there a greatest baseball game in your mind, one that stands out above all else? Oh, uh, I think the Big Red Machine in 1975 when Carlton Fisk hits that home run, that, that was a pretty incredible game. Because that was game six, I believe, and then the Reds came back and won the title in game game seven. Bill Buckner with the ball going through his legs where the Mets were left for dead and the Red Sox were going to win. I put that up there. There's too many of those. Yeah, yeah McLovin. I was thinking, uh, yeah, when the Joe Carter home run. Were you at that game? Yeah, I was down the left field line sitting with Peter Gammons and Dave Soup Campbell and – I, I remember Peter, it was either Peter Gammons or Dave Campbell said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Carter ended this. And it was like the next pitch. And then I never saw that ball land. And I was right down the left field line in the media area. And I, I, I just remember watching Joe run around the bases. And then we went into the locker room and I went into the Phillies locker room to interview Mitch Williams. But I just, that, that was one of those where you went, wait, what just happened? Also, they were supposed to celebrate Kirk Gibson today at Dodger Stadium, I believe, or something this this week. That's uh, one of the greatest games. Were you at that one, yeah, too? No, I was not at that game. That was, But, but I just remember, because Bob Costas, I think, had said something, a disparaging comment about those those Dodgers, something about, like, the worst team to make it to the World Series. I want to be fair to Bob. They're not going to take away one of his Emmys, but I think he talked about how they had no business being here or they were one of the worst teams. And then that just became this rallying cry. They had one great pitcher, and then they had just a ragtag group there. And when Gibby hit that home run, it just it, it just took away. That happened twice to the Oakland A's. And I think it, both times it happened to Eckersley. The Cincinnati Reds, when Joe Oliver hit a double down the line, and the Reds took – because, you know, the Oakland was a dynasty, or at least we thought they were – and you had everything. They had a great lineup, great pitching, the best closer in the game. And when Joe Oliver hit a double down the line, the undermanned Reds did what the Dodgers had done before to Oakland. And that is you end up winning, and you didn't think they had any business beating the Oakland A's. But, yeah, that, that was a great game. All right, we'll take a break here. And uh, when we come back, Rick Neuheisel has his guitar. I don't know what he's singing today. But also I want to get his thoughts. Is he all in on Joe Burrow being the best player in this draft? And how much of Jordan Love did he see? Justin Herbert. And, of course, if you're the Dolphins and you want Joe Burrow, do you go get him? Or would you settle for the consolation prize of Tua Tonga-Vailoa? More phone calls coming up 20 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. 
It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. You as a sports fan are very well aware there's a busy time of year for basketball. College basketball is wrapping up. NBA is just getting right into uh, its postseason. And actually, I'm hearing rumors that the AUAA might be making a comeback. So uh, I know I'm looking forward to getting back into the American Unathletic Association of America. But this time around, I've got a secret weapon up my sleeve. It's called Beat Elite. You take Beat Elite before your workout. It can help extend endurance, improve energy and stamina, and it promotes oxygen efficiency throughout the body. Now, I don't really know what that means, but I do know that when I'm playing pickup basketball, I can feel my feet and my legs underneath me a lot longer and a lot stronger than they are uh, if I'm not taking Beat Elite. Beat Elite is trusted by hundreds of professional teams and elite athletes, so you're getting top-notch performance nutrition. So do like I did. Take your game to the next level with Beat Elite by going to livehuman.com slash Dan and get 20% off your first purchase. The team at Human is making this offer exclusive to our listeners only. You won't find a deal like this anywhere else. That's livehuman, H-U-M-A-N dot com slash Dan, livehuman.com slash Dan. You know what I started doing last night? That is going to shock you. Well, give us a hint. It has to do with a car. You're restoring a vintage car at home. I'm watching somebody restore a car that I bought. That's it, even better. Yes. So I, I just, it's a 73 RS Porsche. Uh, my, my brother reminds me it's not Porsche, it's Porsche. Hmm. So it's a 73 RS 911. And we, we dropped the engine, as you like to say, last night. I picked out the paint color. And I've always wanted to be a part of a restoration project. What kind of shape is it in, like, 1 to 10? The engine is great. The body's great. Hello. And the engine is great as well. Um, and then I got to pick out the paint and what we're going to paint it. It's, it's going to be a stone gray. Like a, kind of a, like a flat gray almost? Mm-hmm. Or like, well, I have like a, a glare, a sheen to it. You don't have a sheen to it, okay. but uh, it's, it's gorgeous. Yes, Tom. Are you assisting him, documenting it, offering him iced tea? Uh, I would, but I don't know why you would be making fun of me. I'm not making fun. I'm just curious. No, that's you a shot. You, said you're, be, you that, said you're going to be watching him, so I'm picturing you sitting, uh, you know, with your kicking back. Todd, you don't even pump your own gas, and you're going to give me green. Occasionally, I'll pump my own gas. I usually like to go to the uh, full service. No, I, I, I'm watching, and I'm, I, I want to help in any way I can. So I, I helped a little bit in pulling the engine last night. Yeah, but I, I this guy is spectacular in what he does, especially with paint. And I get to watch, and I got a, like a three-month period here where we're going to take this apart. I'll, send, I'll put some pictures up and, and let you see what we're doing. Yes, Eaton. Well, though, yeah, the way that you sort of initially uh, presented it, it did sound like, you know, some guy was doing work in your garage and you were sitting there in a lawn chair <laughs> well, watching. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all, no. I, I just, I like to see things started and then completed. Yes, Paul? If I had Da Vinci over at my house, I'm not grabbing a brush and jumping in with him. I'm grabbing a cooler and watching my man paint. But that's right. like when I have Rick Neuheisel on and he talks quarterbacks, segue, then I just listen to him because he knows more than I do. Good morning, Rick. How are you, Dan? I'm How's doing everybody great. there with your crew? Well, I've got uh, Fritzy at home, McLovin at home, Seton at home. Paulie is here in the man cave, and uh, we have a couple other people uh, behind the scenes and making this possible. How about you? 
We are uh, thrilled that you're making it possible. My crew is uh, getting a little testy, but uh, we've never had this kind of family time, and we're going to make the most of it. <laughs> Damn it, you're going to enjoy my company. That's this nice. is no longer a quest. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Vacation. All right. Yeah, exactly. I know you have a song for us. I'll get to that in a moment. Can you give us a hint on what the song is about? Well, it's about what we're all going through, and uh, we're just going to try to uh, give everybody some uh, semblance of how to survive in this era of quarantine. Oh, so you have a coronavirus song. It, we, we call it quarantine. A quarantine. We call it a quarantine. Yeah, okay. Exactly. All right. We've got, we've got the Von Trapp family singer <laughs> here ready to go. All right. Let me talk <laughs> a little bit of football because you know as much about quarterbacks as anybody, and I, I'm curious, are you still – all in on Joe Burrow, number one to the Bengals. All in. Okay. All in. No reason to uh, deviate from that. The kid uh, was fantastic, and he did it as much with his mind as with his body. I know there are going to be people that pick apart his arm strength and things that uh, that maybe he's not as physically menacing as some of the other quarterbacks that have uh, gone on to greatness, but uh, this guy can flat do it. And I think uh, the Bengals are going to be thrilled to have him. If you're the Dolphins and you love Joe Burrow, which that's Todd McShay says there's no doubt, there's no question, they love Joe Burrow, and you have the picks. How valuable is Joe Burrow if you're the Dolphins? What would you be willing to give up if you're the GM? Well, there's no question that he's worth the price. The question is how far do you have the distance between Burrow and Tua Tungavailoa? Because if you like uh, – both those kids, you can get, I think, Tunga Bailoa for a much less lesser price than you can get uh, Burrow just by going up to the third spot there and, and getting Detroit's pick. Uh, I know the Redskins are going to try to, you know, dance around and make people think that they're interested in a quarterback, but I think uh, they're got, they've got to go Chase Young uh, and, and give Dwayne Haskins a chance. Uh, they went and got Kyle Allen from Carolina to, to ease – the, the pressure on uh, Haskins, but uh, I, I think the price for uh, Burrow going to one will be too expensive, and it's too risky for the Bengals, especially with an Ohio kid in Joe Burrow. I think the Bengals have to go with Burrow. I think uh, the action will start in that three and four spot with the Lions picks and the Giants picks. Do you think the Dolphins go up to make sure they get to it? They have to. They won't get anybody uh, at five. I think uh, Herbert and Tua will go at three and four. Really? I think I think you have to go there. You can't risk, unless you're in love with Jordan Love. Uh, no pun intended. Unless you're That's too that, high, though, isn't it, Rick? I agree. I agree. I, I I don't trust that guy. He threw 17 interceptions in his last year. Uh, when he's supposed to be even more mature and more experienced and so forth. So uh, I, I think you have to go. I think the, the catbird seats are, are the Lions and the Giants. The, those, those are going to be quarterbacks taking the three and four, in my mind. You sold on Justin Herbert. I am. You know, that guy is a big-time talent. Uh, there's some small ball stuff that he has to work on, meaning that he's got to be natural throwing the ball out into the flat to a running back. He's got to be able to drop it off to a swing route and be able to control what's a howitzer of a throwing arm. But he's brilliant. Uh, he had the highest grade point. I mean, he won the academic Heisman. He stayed for four years and ran for three touchdowns in the uh, – 
in the Rose Bowl uh, a year ago. I was watching him against Stanford. He was 25 of 27 in regulation. I think the guy has everything. And he's the one guy when we sit and talk about the quarterbacks that didn't have the bevy of just brilliant wide receivers. We're not talking about any of his wide receivers being first-rounders. So, And he lost his tight end uh, midway through the season, his kind of security blanket. So I think this guy's uh, the real deal. But that's when we're talking to Rick Neuheisel, former college coach and a great college football analyst for CBS. That's And I've spoken to a, a few uh, NFL and college people and a, and a scout as well. How hard is it to assess just how great Tua and Burrow are given that they have first-round talent at wide receiver and multiple first-round talents at wide receiver? That's the $64,000 question because these guys had every weapon known to man at their disposal. I mean, they really did. The yards after catch for these two teams and these two quarterbacks are off the charts. Uh, But I I lean towards Burrow here because Burrow was given so much more autonomy at the line of scrimmage. Uh, from Ensminger and Joe Brady, and they gave him the keys to the castle. He was allowed to change run to pass, pass to run. He was allowed to change protections. I just think his mind uh, is that further along, not that it's superior, because I don't think they asked that much of Tua, given the RPO nature of their offense. Uh, But uh, I, I just believe that, Burrow is the most ready-for-NFL play quarterback we've seen in recent memory. Could you fix Jameis Winston? Jameis has to want to be fixed. Jameis has every throw. Jameis has every ability to play this game at the highest, highest level. We saw that over uh, the time in college and certainly some of the time here in the NFL. What he has shown the inability to do is learn from previous mistakes. You know, an interception is okay if we don't do it again. But to do it over and over again, uh, as he has done with the numbers, shows that he's not taking the coaching as to what to steer clear from. And and to me, and you look at his off-field personality, it kind of shows the same thing. He hasn't necessarily realized that some of the stuff he's done before is beyond sophomoric, right? You You have to be able to go to the next level. If he takes the next step and says, coach me, coach me a little harder, and I'm going to respond to it, then there's no question I think he can be fixed. Before we get to your song, if you were going to take a risk or take a chance on Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, or Andy Dalton, who are you signing up for? I go Jameis in that, in that. You know, listen, Andy Dalton is a safe road, right? It's like the paved road. You're not going in potholes and all that stuff. I'm not sure what the upside is, and I, given where he is in age, I'm not sure how long he lasts. Cam, to me, is, was, a, was a beautiful, beautiful player, but when the legs go, so does the whole product because the legs force teams into different fronts, eight-man fronts. You got single high, all of a sudden he was a great thrower. But you needed his legs to complete the package, I'm not sure, given the uh, the – beating up that he's taking over the course of his career. He's at that point. So uh, Jameis, to me, would be the guy that I would lean on. But it would take a long conversation and understanding that we have to get better with uh, these mistakes that have uh, plagued his career. Coronavirus has an impact on college football coaches worried about the schedules, being able to start the offseason workouts, get ready for uh, the season. 
Do you think there's a date that would make you nervous if you're a college coach of trying to get your team ready and having a full college season schedule? You know, and the other thing that they're worried about, uh, having talked to a couple of guys, Dan, is they're worried about their guys getting their grades. You know, they, these kids all have to still take their classes, and they're doing it in you know off of computers at home where sometimes the Wi-Fi is substandard and so forth. So to make sure that everybody's getting what they need academically is one of the biggest concerns for the coaches right now, making sure that they're, you know, we have people on our staff to make sure guys are going to class and getting up in the mornings and so on and so forth. Uh, That is no longer in place. So that's one of the big concerns. I don't think they're worried about missing spring football. I know that they are looking forward to having some sort of a mini camp uh, maybe a two-week period over the course of the summer when it becomes safe to do so. Uh, and and I think everybody will be fine. As a matter of fact, I think there are some guys who would give, give way to spring football over the, over the course of uh, the regular school year anyway for a couple of weeks in the summer when the freshmen who are coming to join the class are all there. Spring football right now is usually with about 60 bodies. And those, you go through those bodies pretty quickly if you're trying to get much accomplished. So uh, let everybody kind of recuperate that time during that time and, and make uh, spring ball more of a summer a uh, couple of weeks. I think people would buy into that in a big way. All right. We're ready for the uh, debut. The atonement. You are ready for the Von Trapped now, family singers. Do you have family there that will help you with this? Oh, we've got family. You want family. You want to introduce my wife Susan. Okay. My wife Susan. Right. Uh, my sons are here, uh, who are arms in the air right now. They wanted no notoriety for this. Do not want to be at all in, in anybody's kitchen. So, okay. matter of fact, we're we're uh, having people go on strike as we speak right now, Dan. Thanks for bringing that up. But uh, the the idea is just a little levity in the face of uh, quarantine. quarantine. Okay. All right. Here's Rick here we go. Hit it, young man. Quarantine, we're all just quarantine. Tuning into season through a stranger thing. Watching Christmas movies in the middle of spring. I prefer Bonanza reruns with Hop Sing. Time to make the best of the social distancing as we quarantine and we all quarantine. Look at the bright side while we live this movie scene. You can learn the words to American Pie by Don McLean. You want some football, watch Kurt Reynolds and the Mean Machine. management. 
Well done. That's great. Great lyrics. The Von Neuheisel family there. Von, Von Neuheisel. Hey, uh, thanks for checking in. We appreciate it and uh, hope everybody is well. Thank you, Rick. My pleasure. My pleasure. Everybody hunkered down. We'll be fine. That's Rick Neuheisel, CBS Sports College Football Analyst with Quarantine. Take a break. Phone calls are coming up. We have our Meet Friday March Madness uh, songs to bring to your attention. The Meet Madness, have that for you. The Kansas City region still left. And Michael Wilbon in about a half hour from now. Back with your phone calls after this. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Once again, it's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the support this podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course, supporting. And now back to the show. All right, some more Meat Madness songs, the Kansas City region. Number two seed is Ben in Michigan, and he's up against Evan in Las Vegas. Here's Ben in Michigan with Michigan native Eminem. Just 
Michigan. He's up against Evan in Las Vegas. Here is uh, the number seven seed with Steely Dan. with Steely Dan. We've got two more matchups in the Kansas City region. We have over 150,000 votes so far through uh, the first three days of this contest. So very impressive, and uh, thanks for taking part. All right, uh, a couple of phone calls here. Uh, Yanni in Baltimore. Hey, Yanni, what do you have for us? Hey, Dan, what's going on? Um, I am only 25, so obviously I never got to watch Crystal Keat play in college, but the mothership giving him a 13 seed seems a little low. I'd love to hear your thoughts on where, how good he was and where he should be ranked. Well, he was he was a, his own circus when he came to town. In SEC land, you know, that's football country, they came out to see. There was nobody like Pete Maravich, no one. And, yeah, he was a gunner. I know they didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, went to the NIT, played Marquette when Dean Meminger and Al McGuire were there. Uh, lost that game, but he averaged 44 a game with no three-point shot and uh, even went into the pros and put up 68 on the New York Knicks, you know, in one game. He was he was fascinating. Uh, he deserves better than a 13 seed. Jerry West definitely deserves better than a 13 seed. Jerry West, a better college basketball player all around than Pete Maravich. And, uh, but you put those guys at 13. Trey Young should not be in the grouping there. He had one very good year, and even then you could say it was maybe three-quarters of a season. That's it. I got Some of the seeding I can blame on ESPN. The voting, all right, that's on your, your preference there, and great, you know. Do you want to put in Shaq over Lou Alcindor? Fine, go ahead. But uh, some of the other seedings were just wrong. Michael Jordan is not the best college basketball player of all time. He's not. Yeah, Paul. How is Kyrie Irving a 14 seed? He played. I'm just kidding. He was done. No, no, he played eight games. <laughs> well, be, wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Uh, we'll talk to Michael Wilbon about this. 
I promised I wasn't going to get upset about. You're it. not going to let this one go, though. You don't I, let things go. Um, I forget. I don't forgive. I, I like to, I like to remind you of grudges sometimes. It's always. Hey, Dan, remember that guy? Oh, I know. And then I I I have asked Paulie before. I go, why why do I hate that guy? And then Paulie has to tell me. All right, <laughs> two hours in the books. One more to go. Fritzy's actually cooking on his Traeger. He will reveal what he's cooking next hour. Michael Wilbon, as I mentioned, more phone calls, more Meat Madness songs as well. Thursday edition, Dan Patrick Show. Hi and hello, sports fans. Dave Damashek here, and uh, guess who's sitting exactly six feet away from me? Adam Carolla. And uh, we're both here to let you know your favorite Adam Carolla show segment now has its very own feed. Well, what about the injury? And I go, that's fine, but what about being a your whole life? <laughs> we know the real reason so many people tune into the Adam Carolla show. So let's give the people what they want, Ace. I've seen pictures of him in Russia with a shirt off, and he looks he looks pretty chiseled. <laughs> Enjoy all the good sports segments together in just one place. Make sure you subscribe to Good Sports, available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast platforms. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with performance enhancing. Just, you know, being a hero, you mm-hmm. know? That's what I like. Anything to add, Ace? No. Okay.